This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters Talk, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Uh, our guest today, uh, author Judith Heidelman, uh, fascinating book uh, that she has out now and available, Guest House for Ganesha. Uh, she's had a fascinating background and uh, a uh, very interesting areas of interest. Uh, which he's put together in this book. Uh, but let's let's cover that in the interview today. So, uh, Judith, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Judith, um, Guest House for Ganesha is a novel. And um, I discovered it uh, when a mutual friend was reading it. And I asked about it and I thought, well, this might be an interesting uh, subject for the podcast because uh, as a as a writer, I know I have uh, worked on fiction that attempts to tell a good story and also convey uh, spiritual knowledge that is rooted in India. And uh, I know the challenges, so I thought it would be interesting to explore with you. But let's let's uh, set it up by asking you about your own background, especially with respect to spirituality and uh, where you came from, and how you how you got in, interested enough in uh, the the uh, teachings of India to write a novel in which Ganesha is a character. Mm. Okay, well, it was actually a long journey to writing the novel. I never intended to write fiction. I've always been a writer. I've been a published business writer and arts writer for the last three or more decades. Uh, but I was never interested in writing fiction or, or really creative writing, but I think the world had other intentions for me. My background, my family's background is Jewish with Holocaust survivors on my mother's side, Orthodox rabbis on my father's side. However, I wasn't raised Jewish. Uh, both my parents had very traumatic, dramatic childhoods having to do with religion. Both of them were deeply spiritual, and Judaism really offered them nothing when they were growing up. And so as adults, they decided to go in other directions. And for me, the gift was that they said, okay, this is where we came from. This is what we choose. You all do whatever. And that's me and my two older brothers. And that was really perfect for me because I have been incessantly curious about all types of philosophies, philosophical beliefs, uh, spiritual practices and such. So as early as I could remember, I took myself to diverse churches, Hindu and Buddhist temples, and read lots of books by lots of different philosophers and such. I was just a seeker and always curious. I, I can't say that uh, Hinduism and Ganesha and India were my sole priorities. I was re I've really been interested my whole life in 
the whole thing. I'm interested in human thought and perspectives and the mm. whys of life as much as possible to figure them out. Mm -hmm. So in yep. re oh, sorry. Go, go, ahead. go ahead, go finish, yeah. So I just want to say in regards to writing this book, it, it's kind of an interesting journey in that I was the great resistor. There, for nearly uh, four decades, I've had people surround me, surrounding me, very close friends who would tell me, you're a writer, you're a writer, you're a writer. And I go, yeah, 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 I'm a published writer. I've done this, I've done that. And they would insist I was a creative writer and I would just resist until in 2001, very close friends started a new writer's group on a Saturday morning and literally dragged me into it. And I was pretty much kicking and screaming, but I succumbed and I committed to it and I honor my commitments. And I showed up every Saturday with my soy latte in one hand and my paper and uh, pens in the other and pushed through, I guess. I, I want to ask you, I'm, I'm very curious uh, about you as a person and your spiritual journey in relation to the novel that you've written. Again, a, a guest house for Ganesha, for those listening in. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it takes place with the background of the Holocaust. And, and how much of that has to do with your own, uh, almost, a, is it, somewhat autobiographical is it therapeutic in terms of your dealing because i i did a i, I have a, also have a radio show and i did a series a few years ago in collaboration with the united states holocaust museum where i interviewed survivors that are now way, way into their 80s and 90s and it was very very i, I thought i knew a lot but i knew nothing really uh, uh, until uh, i realized when doing that but the the uh the damage done was not just to the people who were uh, uh, survivors and the people that experienced it directly, but to generations that are generation, generations that followed that. And, and uh, in writing the book, uh, was that on a conscious sort of um, uh, motivation for doing it? You're dealing with the Holocaust and, and, and how humanity could get that dark and perhaps there is a brighter uh, 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 future for us, or is it just a pure fiction and just an idea you had for a story. Um, well, let me take a step back because I definitely hear what you're saying. I, I want to be clear, though. I did not. I did not write a Holocaust novel. Right. How you know, and everybody walks through lives with their own lenses, and they take from what they see what they need to see. So there have been many who do call it a Holocaust novel, uh, but. The key, one of the key sparks for me writing this book was in 1984, my maternal grandmother named Esther, same as my protagonist, mm -hmm. passed away. And she just frankly was a mean, nasty, quite horrible person. And she was particularly mean and nasty to my family my mother and us kids because my mother didn't raise us Jewish and she had the audacity to divorce my father, which is just something you don't do. Anyway, at the funeral, everyone was extremely polite as people tend to be at a funeral, but at the family uh, lunch afterwards, one of my cousins brought up 
my grandmother's real personality. And my Tanta Tanka, my great aunt, had come from Berlin, where most of my family still is. I mean, there's very few of us. And my Tanta Tanka was the youngest of the five in my grandmother's family. And she interrupted us and she said, well, you know why, don't you? And we just all said, well, we just assumed the war. She lost 90% of her family. She was separated from her husband who passed away, children, et cetera. And this was all an assumption because nobody in my family ever talked about their war experiences. And then my Tanta Tanka said, when she was 17 years old, Esther was standing under the wedding chuppah, uh, waiting for her beloved to come and get married. And he'd never showed up. He had run off with the richest girl in, the, in their shtetl. Wow, and wow. at that moment was when I first had true love and compassion for this woman who had been so miserable to be around my whole life. And I went, wow, grandma, I wish I had known this. And there was that spark. And I said, now this is a story to write about, about how love affects us and impacts us, no matter what nationality or culture or gender preference we are. But at the time I was 25 and I had no intention of writing creatively, but it always stuck with me. And then, we fast forward to 2001, I'm in this writer's group, I'm pretty much flailing, but I show up every Saturday because I didn't have a direction. But one day it popped into my head, oh, I have this title, I have this title, Guesthouse for Ganesha, where did this title come from? I didn't know what it meant. And I spent the next number of weeks in the class spending time trying to understand what the title meant. And I love words and etymology and like, what's a, what's a guest house? It's a house behind a house. It's temporary, et cetera, et cetera. And then one Monday morning, uh, I was doing the dishes, breakfast dishes in the kitchen. My husband was in the dining room and he was going through the paper and he said, oh my God, weren't you involved with this man? And there was an obituary about this man that I had been involved with in my early 20s who had died and um, rather young and I was in shock and he was um, quite a well-known artist and I was never a good journal take I'm sorry I'm winding around here but I was never a good journal writer but I always knew that I had kept the two years of agony and ecstasy and strum and drong written in a journal I kept that journal and I went looking for it and I found it and as I'm going through the pages uh, there, June 25th, June 23rd, 1985, was an entry that nothing leading up to it, nothing after it, it just said Guesthouse for Ganesha is the title. Wow. So at that time, I had actually had that title for almost two decades. And, and it came the year after my grandmother had passed. Did you know who or what Ganesha is at that time? Yes, I, I have known about the Hindu pantheon uh, highlighted by Ganesha for me since high school. Uh -huh. It could have been earlier, but I vividly remember studying uh, India 
in high school and learning about Ganesha. And I'd always been drawn to him. I loved his warmth and his uh, jovialness and such. But the I just knew at that point, I wrote a magical, magically realistic novel and it has definitely come about in a magically realistic way. And I knew at that point, I surrendered that something had happened when I had been with this man and uh, he kind of gave, he gave me something. By our horrible breakup, he actually gave me something. And, and I think at that point too, I had an even greater understanding of what my grandmother experienced being left at the altar. And how did the idea come to combine those two things? Your grandmother's story, which you obviously had to uh, fictionalize and uh, embellish upon beyond what you could possibly have known, and uh, the concept of Ganesha uh, as a as a figure in the in the story. Well, I. At that point, I had surrendered, and I knew I had to write this story, and I knew I had tons and tons of research to do because I didn't know my grandmother's story other than she had survived the war. She was a master Taylor furrier like Esther, my protagonist, and she um, had somehow survived uh, as a Gentile. But nobody, again, spoke of her story. So I knew I would have to do all this intense research. I was very resistant to it. And I, and I knew that if I was going to do this, I had to, I had to gift myself with not just an omniscient narrator, but a Hindu god who I was really passionate about. So Ganesha was the gift to me you might say writing the story of es of Esther sparked by my grandmother's story was the gift to my family, though it's mostly fictionalized. And that's how I moved forward. And I also very much love the idea of East and West and the interconnectedness of all human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a question. Two questions, actually. One is, uh, do you now consider yourself spiritual uh, not religious, as, as people are often categorized or categorize themselves as now? And also, the second question is, Wait, how did I'm you? I'm sorry, that didn't come through. The first question uh, is, do you, do you consider yourself, in terms of spirituality, in terms of religion, uh, somebody who's spiritual but not religious, which is a term that's thrown around a lot now? Uh, and, and how do you consider yourself personally? Uh, in terms of your spirituality or religious beliefs? And second, how did your family react to the book? Uh, in regards to the first, I definitely understand the spiritual not being religious. I'm not a big fan of any organized religion, though if I ever self-identify myself as anything, I call myself an orthodox humanist in that I fervently care about human beings. I think I've worked in the nonprofit sector 37 years. So, uh, and that's really how I was raised. When people would find out from my mother that she wasn't raising us Jewish, people were horrified and they would say, you're not raising them Jewish. Well, how will you raise them? And my mother would always say, I'm raising them to be good human beings. 
That's and what I, my mother used to say, actually. Yeah, I and with my mother, with me, she achieved it. Yeah. <laughs> if you do say so and, and, and yourself. The second question is, how, how did your family or members of your family react to the book? Well, interestingly, <laughs> I have no idea because most of my family is gone. Uh, really, there are about five of us in the world. Uh, there's me and my cousins in Berlin, for the most part. Um, there are either they're no longer around or I'm not connected with them. So my, my cousins in Berlin don't speak English well enough to have read it in English. And my literary agent is working very hard to get international publishers. And a dream is that it will be published in German. I can say friends who I consider family, who I've known for decades have been very, very positive. Some have been extremely surprised because I don't, I don't wear my beliefs on my sleeve, so to speak, as they say. You know, I'm, I'm actually a very private person. So I've had a number of friends say, "Wow, where did this come from?" You know? Yeah. yeah. And we got uh, you grant proposals and reports and all that. Um. Judith, what does Ganesha mean to you? Uh, I think most of our listeners would be familiar with the uh, the iconography of Ganesha, the 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 male body and the, and the elephant head, and many would know that uh, he is considered the, the remover of obstacles, and when uh, chants to Ganesha and uh, ceremonial. Uh, uh, expressions are made to Ganesha. It, it is with that kind of purpose in mind. What does what does it he mean to you, and what does he mean to the character of Esther in the book? Well, I do believe we're all watched over. I do believe that there is so much more here then we uh, either acknowledge or uh, feel, feel or, um, uh, you know, most people just think it's, you know, whatever you could see, but I've always believed it's so much more. And Ganesha has always been someone who has spoken to me very strongly. Maybe it's his demeanor. I've, I've always loved elephants, uh, so I, I can't say that there was just one moment where he, he came to the fore and said, I'm yours, but I do feel very much personally connected to him. I, I also love that, yes, most people do know him as the destroyer of obstacles, but importantly, he's also the one who puts obstacles in your path to make sure that you get on the right track. So things that can be very painful actually have to happen so you are on the road that you need to be on, which does happen to Esther on a number of occasions. He is also, I also love that in the Hindu pantheon, he's the first god you would invoke before you invoke any other god. And that by saying, Om, you're calling him. 
So I think of him as ever present. And, and for Esther, I guess as the author, I just loved having these two very distinct and seemingly disparate uh, personalities actually interact with each other, whether Esther was conscious of it or not. Uh, do you have a, having written this book, having had the experience, I, well, I can't share this experience. Phil has written books. I haven't. Uh, I've read a lot of books. But do you have an idea now for a, a second novel? Well, actually, I started a second novel about five years ago when I was in the midst of looking for my literary agent and looking for my, then the publisher. I mean, the journey is long. Phil probably understands this very well. And the journey isn't always smooth and easy. And it's challenging and frustrating. And I, and in the process of all of this, I did miss writing. So I started a second novel. It's, it's quite different. Is it's it called- about Lakshmi? <laughs> <laughs> he, she usually comes after Ganesha. <laughs> Um, no, but she's looking at me right now. I have <laughs> Lakshmi st- is directly across from my desk. Okay, good. That guarantees uh, success for you. We hope. Knock on wood. And success and riches also. That's right. Financially a great success probably. <laughs> um, no, it's called Future Memories. And the story, the, the story thread is about a big city girl and a small town southern boy. But what it's really about is why do certain things that happen to us that could be seemingly incidental stick with us forever, whereas huge events kind of disappear from our memory? Very good. Good theme. Thank you. So going, and now with respect to Esther and Ganesha, I have to confess that I was only able I was having such a good time on my vacation last week that I uh, I had the book with me intending to read it all, but I did not. And so not I know the radio. <laughs> I am admitting it because I've been interviewed about my books many, many times. And I always hate when they fake having read it. And okay, so appreciate that. <laughs> so I'm confessing. And I'm glad you had a good vacation. That that's important. And that's right. I'm confessing right up front. But. I will say that I read the first 80 or so pages and I was very impressed with the with the writing and I was um, intrigued by what was going to happen next. I don't want to uh, ask you to give away anything, but you juxtapose the narrative of Esther, who is, we should say that the story takes place, uh, seems to span at least 20 years from sort of uh, Post World War One. Twenty-two years, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's nineteen twenty-three to nineteen forty-five. Okay, so, so we... it's pre-World War Two, during World War Two, and after okay, when she goes so, to India. And we and we see the rise of Hitler and uh, the big, you know, the the build-up to the war and the war itself in the course of the novel, and Esther. Uh, uh, as uh, after she is left at the altar, finds her way uh, to an independent uh, life with a lot of struggles. And why did you make her a seamstress? 
Well, I, I guess, truthfully, that was another one of the things I knew of my grandmother. Ah. She was a master tailor's furrier. And I, because of that spark of my grandmother being left at the altar and me really wanting to explore how devastated love uh, works on a human being. I mean, it made Esther a survivor. While she was tough and stoic and mean, she survived, whereas so many around her did not. So I wanted to honor that part of my grandmother. Also, I knew she needed money, that money was going to be critical for her to survive. I should say that uh, one of the most important um, acts I did in terms of research was one summer I spent one day a week for seven weeks at the Shoah Foundation mm. watching first-person testimonies. Uh, and I was there each of those days, six, seven, or eight hours. And I, that's what made it all so real to me about how one could possibly survive. And I don't know if either of you have had the opportunity to visit, but it's very powerful and very painful. And it's brilliant in that you can just type in a few words at, like uh, passed as Gentile during the war and then those interviews would come up. So to a great extent, that was where I had of the hardcore learnings about how to make Esther a real survivor as a Gentile, passing as a Gentile during the war. And where did you do your research about the Ganesha and India portion of it? I did that uh, reading books, all types of academic books, religious books, fiction, other nonfiction, and very importantly, children's books. Huh. Oh. And that might sound a bit odd. No, no, it doesn't to me, but explain. Well, I would read these very esoteric scholarly books about the Hindu pantheon overall and Hindu philosophy and Ganesha. And the, the concepts were sometimes hard to grasp, but also I did understand them, but was trying to make them more approachable. And then I would read these children's books where things are so good. Children's books are cl clearly distill crit critical information. Quite right. And so it was perfect to have this balance of the very esoteric, scholarly, and then seeing the children's books. So did you go to, to India? I've been to India twice. I've been very fortunate to do that. I look forward to my next my next visit there. Uh, hopefully, my, my literary agent is working on selling it in India, so nothing would be more of a dream than the next time I go to India, it would be on book tour. Uh, <laughs> but I'm... Well, I'll, uh -huh. I'll straighten you out on that one, <laughs> having done one. <laughs> okay, well, I do, I, I love India. I've actually been very privileged to travel to about 17 different countries in Asia and Southeast Asia. I'm actually in... A week and a half, going to be in Vietnam. That will be my first time there. I'm really looking forward to it. But I also have to say what's so important about this journey to writing is that I've written this magical, realistic tale, and it unfolded in the most magically realistic way. 
in that I didn't know how to write a novel. I didn't know what I was doing, but anytime I needed to figure something out, a class would appear or a person would appear or an opportunity to travel would appear. And while I haven't been to absolutely every single city that Esther went to uh, on her trajectory in the book, I've been to every country and close by. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much uh, author who has to, who's visceral, has to breathe the air and touch the dirt, even if it's not the same time period or the exact same place. Uh, Judith, uh, I want to thank you for your time. And and uh, I want to ask if you have any final words that you'd like to share with our listeners. I'd also like to say, this is, uh, I think this book is great subject matter for a film. So maybe you'll be writing a screenplay at some point. I mean, I really do. I think it would make a fascinating film. It could be done a lot of ways. I know nothing about filmmaking, but uh, it, it seems to, to be a real match there. So any final I words? Have a que- um, I have another yeah. question. I just, I just want to respond to that by saying you're not the first person who mentioned it being a film. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a novel. It, it has gotten uh, recorded on Audible, and there's a beautiful, beautiful audio version of it, um, which if people who are compelled to think of it as a possible film, I do encourage them to listen to that. And Audible was wonderful to work with, and they let me pick the narrators. But I, al- I also always answer when people have those type of wishes. I say, from your ears to Ganesha's, from no, your really. lips to Ganesha. Your lips to Ganesha. <laughs> to, to lot. You know, I honestly, I have to be uh, frank. I feel guided very much so in this journey, and he's doing a lot of the guidance. <laughs> how Great. how were you uh, in the course of, uh, from beginning to the end of uh, having written the novel and seen it through to publication, how were you changed spiritually or were you? Um, I think I was changed in the way that I actually talk about it now. And I'm more open about my real beliefs and feelings spiritually because for the most part, I never talked about it. So in that regard, I'm changed. And, and I also do very much feel like this was my destiny, that this book was meant to be written and no one could have written it except me. And even though the waiting, it was 18 years to publication, and even though the waiting was challenging and frustrating at many times, I feel very strongly it was published exactly when it was meant to be published. And on a day-to-day basis, do you address the spiritual dimension of your life now differently from the way you did before? Are there practices? Are there method, ways of moving about in the world that is different from the way you would have before? I think I feel more guilty about not meditating every day than I used to. Do. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Guilt. That's, guilt. 
Guilt does it. And I mean, I've been doing yoga since <laughs> I was 22. And I turned 60 in January and my first novel came out in May. And this year I've done less yoga than I have in all those years. And I think I've just been distracted in some ways. But yeah, guilt. It's probably well, I'm more conscious of what I'm not doing and what I what I need to do that I know is good for me. Okay, we have to pay attention to that Ganesha voice. Absolutely. And so thank you so much again. The book, Guest House for Ganesha, now readily available. The author, Judas Teitelman. And uh, thank you uh, for your time and uh, fascinating. Thank Thanks. you so much. And Phil, I look forward to you finishing the book. Yes, <laughs> I do too. Well, I have, I have my own second novel to finish too, but that's a different set of muscles. I will look forward to finishing yours. Thank you. And thank you again for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Delightful. Okay. Thank you. Bill, are we off the 